When you know and respect your inner nature, you know where you belong. You also know where you don't belong. That is a quote by Benjamin Huff. Welcome to Trina Talk. This is the podcast where guests share their stories of pursuing their passions, living a fulfilled life, and empowering others. Each week, I talk with inspiring leaders, business owners, and people with amazing stories from around the world in unscripted conversations as they share their successes and failures. This podcast is all about empowering you to keep striving in your personal and professional life. I am your host, Trina L. Martin. Welcome to episode 116. The topic of this week's episode is Make Ambitions and Goals Known. My guest this week is Valera Wilson. Valera is a speaker, author, coach who has spent almost 20 years leading marketing strategy and driving revenue for Fortune 100 and 500 brands. Now she helps ambitious women lead with confidence in their career, relationships, and everyday life. She is the founder of Positive Identity. From her latest book, You're Absolutely Worth It, to being a contributing writer for Thrive Global on women's issues, to publishing guides including Six Steps to Negotiate the Salary You Deserve Without Letting Fear Override, Valera shows women how to own their worth. Hi, Valera. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thank you so much, Trina. I'm excited to be here. I am excited to speak with you. I was just looking at your background and you're a woman after my own heart because of what you're doing, but you are um, phenomenal. You have experience, years of experience with working with Fortune 100 and 500 companies and just being out there in corporate and you've written a book, you're an author, you're a coach, you're a speaker, you're the founder of Positive Identity which I want you to get more into what that is. But I see that seems like your purpose and your mission is empowering women. So tell the listeners who you are and what made you who you are today. Sure. Um, well, you did a fantastic introduction as it is, Trina. <laughs> um, but I would say that I am, as you mentioned, I am a, a well, I've really spent the past almost 20 years leading strategy at global brands and really have taken that experience and morphed that into uh, being a speaker, a coach, and an author to really help other women uh, that are ambitious to lead with confidence, but not only in their careers, but in their relationships and their everyday life. And that's very important to me because of my own path to where I've gotten to. And I, I understand oftentimes the challenges that that ambitious women have, that women of purpose have in getting to where they are. And so I'm just committed to helping us all uh, own our voice, own our yeses and command our work. Wow. I love that. And when you say own your voice, what exactly do you mean? Wow. Well, sometimes I, I, I have found in experiences and 
as I've talked to a lot of different women, women of, of, of different races, of different socioeconomic status, of different uh, backgrounds, I have found this common thread. And at first I thought it was me because of where I'd come from and, and the things that I've experienced. But then I started to, again, hear female founders, corporate execs, um, women graduating from college saying similar things. And I call it that swirling question, that swirling self-doubt. And it's always, it's been that question of, am I enough? I started to hear that being a consistent theme. And I, I, it resonated with me because I felt that way and wondered, was I enough in various settings? And it's, it's become important for me to help, to help other women to really own our voices and recognize we are enough. We are enough. What we have to say matters. We don't always have to shrink and hide and tiptoe around to, to figure out if what we say is, is okay, if we'll be accepted. Our voices matter. You know, I love that because you, as well as I know, being in the corporate space, men can come out and they can say how they feel without biting their tongue and people like, oh yeah, he's just, he's forceful, he's powerful, he's this, he's that. But as soon as a woman does that, Mm. she's everything except the child of God. Uh So (laughs) tell me about some of the things you've come across and let's hold off on that. Before we get to there, I always like to know about your journey. So give us a little bit about your upbringing and how it led you to go to Fortune 500 companies and to be um, a founder of a company that you're empowering other women today. Sure. So my my journey started at being born to a single teen mom, very young teenage mom, and uh, being loved tremendously and uh, taught that education was important because everyone around me hadn't achieved that. And so for my mother, my education was going to be my way to success and to get out of, out of our environment. And I, thankfully I did listen. (laughs) I didn't always understand, but I listened and I went on to become the first person in my family to graduate from a four-year university. And went out into the corporate world, but for many people like me who are the first or the only, that journey and that path can seem very hazy and cloudy and you don't always know which way to go. You don't always know what questions to ask. Do you fit in? Um, if does anyone look like you and 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 what can what can you ask for? And so oftentimes I was learning by trial and error versus by by insight. And from, from people that, you know, maybe might have been at home that could help me navigate, well, here's what you should do in this situation, or here's how you navigate the corporate setting, or here's how you negotiate your salary. Um, I had to figure those things out and, and, and eventually find mentors that could give me that insight. Um, but along the way, I, I realized that I, I struggled to figure out my identity and to know what I should be doing, not doing. And it really, it started to really hit me as I progressed in my career that waiting for someone else to recognize me wasn't going to happen. That 
it was as opposed to waiting for someone else's timelines, I needed to make my own timelines. And often I found that as I, I've talked to other women that we sometimes we, we put our heads in our cubicles or in my, our office and we just put our heads down and get work done, not realizing that that's not always how it works. And that's not always the, to the, the key to advancement that someone has to know that you want that promotion. Someone has to know that you want that salary. So you have to put yourself out there and command it and ask for it. And as I started to make those shifts, I saw my career uh, catapult even further. I saw my income catapult. I saw different things move forward and shift forward a lot faster. And so I'm just, I want to help other women do the same. I I hate to see us uh, stagnant, stuck, unhappy, unfulfilled, working hard, but getting low returns. And that's really important to me. I would almost say that I'm an advocate for women asking for what they really want. Mm. Just you're speaking my language and it resonates with me so much because I like you. I was the first in my family to go to college, graduate, work corporate. And I, I agree. I didn't know how to play the game, so to speak. I didn't know how to command my worth. I would come in, like you said, and get my head down and work and think, well, why am why aren't I getting promoted? Why aren't I getting a raise? And I didn't know that I basically had to fight for my own, that they weren't just going to say, oh, well, Trina, you come in every day and you're doing a great job. So here it is. So tell the women what they need to do to navigate those waters when they're trying to be recognized for the contributions that they're making. Sure, you're absolutely right about that. Um, It's exactly that. It's to make it clear what our goals are, make it clear what our ambitions are. Sometimes we try to keep them hidden or we don't want to talk about them too much. We don't want to share them, keep it close to our our vest. And that's counterintuitive to advancement. Um, The more people that know what you want to do, the greater the greater the probability is, is that you'll get there faster because once you start to share that, people keep you in mind because conversations are always being had behind closed doors of who needs to go ahead, who needs to get ahead, who who's who's got the highest potential. And when you raise your hand and you say, This is what I want, then you can start to create a plan with the, your manager, assuming that they're a manager that's a truly an advocate, of course to advance. And also what I found is that sometimes we only advocate for ourselves internally. And the it's important to have a network both inside and outside your organization because opportunities come from all all directions. And you never know who might have that growth opportunity that you really need and or really want. I've seen that happen to me a number of times when I started to really develop relationships outside the organization. Um, I was able to see clearly one, what I was worth to the market. And then two, again, sometimes you encounter roadblocks internally. It happens. Um, Maybe you've reached your match or your limit to where you are. And as opposed to getting frustrated and, you know, getting resentful about the, with the organization or your manager or people, again, you have to realize you control how far you go and how fast you go. So having that external network helps 
you see, get a 360 of what's available to you. And if you're not being recognized internally, you're not celebrated internally, start looking externally and see what's out there. So what is it? And you you said it so profoundly that we advocate for ourselves internally. So what is it that keeps women stuck and afraid to actually get out there? And this was going to the previous question, how men can speak up for themselves and it's okay, but when women do it, there's a problem. Why is that? What have you seen the reason why that's so? I think it's culture. I think it's who who you are, what organization you're in. I think sometimes we forget that just like personal relationships can be toxic or not productive, so can organizational ones. And just because you work somewhere doesn't mean you need to stay there. And I always say that a a working relationship is one that just like every other relationship, it has to be mutually beneficial. And when it's no longer that, just as quickly as they would let you go for needs of the business, you have to be willing to do the same and saying for needs of my own advancement, it's time for me to move on. It doesn't have to be toxic or leave on bad terms. It means, hey, I've got an opportunity that externally that is better for me in my growth at this time in my career. So I'm taking advantage of that. That's nothing personal. That's business. And that the business of your life is the most important business, I think. So I think one of the things I think to ask your question, you mentioned, why do we um, stay or why do we, I think it's unfortunately, I think that overall as women, we're just, we're, we're loyal, we're community minded people. And we, we try to give people the benefit of the doubt. We keep trying to, to show our worth and convince people sometimes that how good we are. And we think, well, if we just do this and we, if we just do that, or if we just do the next thing that they'll see it, but at some point we have to come to ourselves and realize I've done all that I can here. And I now I'm just twirling my thumbs. I'm not growing. It's time to move on. We have to, we have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable with the change. And sometimes we just get too comfortable with an organization. It's what we know. It's the people we know. We like this person at the job. We we've developed relationships all at the sacrifice are, are of our own earning potential, our own advancement, our own happiness. And so we have to become truly about um, our growth and realize that that's our personal responsibility and and stop giving other people the keys to our growth. Mm. That is so good about, like you said, the business of taking care of your business. That's the most important thing instead of staying somewhere where you know there's nowhere else for you to go. But like you said, I think women are loyal. So we sit there and we go, well, you know, we've been here X number of years. So we're going to sit here and whatever, hoping that it's going to turn out better. And it never does. Tell the listeners about your business, Positive Identity, and how it helps women. Sure. So Positive identity is really is really about helping women educate themselves because I think that oftentimes we're not confident because either we don't know something or we don't believe something about ourselves. So it's designed to one inspire and educate women in order to help them see themselves for what they are and their worth 
as the amazing women they are, and then educate them and give them the information so they can feel like they're confident enough to lead the changes in their lives, right? There is something powerful about knowing internally what value you bring because of a shift in your perspective. And then there's something doubly amazing when you start to get armed with information about how to lead your life with, with confidence or how to lead changes, meaning very practical things. I, I work with women on how to interview with confidence, how to walk in there with power, um, how to negotiate without being terrified, um, how to navigate relationships, how to navigate uh, to the loving relationship and stop wasting time on unnecessary ones. And then just how to lead your life with confidence in, in every day, in your everyday life. Um, that's that's really what the business is about for me. So anything I, I speak on is very inspirational, but also very practical. Mm. So let's go into that. How do you help women gain that confidence? So in very practical ways, I mentioned, for example, interviewing, walking through what do they think about themselves? How do they approach interviews? Um, I've worked with women and, and inevitably we go through interviewing skills and they realize that there's something about their self-perception that's keeping them from walking in with confidence. And so we really dig into that, dig into that, that belief. And so giving them different um, reference points to help them shift their beliefs about themselves. Um, and then the other piece of that becomes also, again, the education around how do you navigate an interview? What are the questions? How do you position yourself in your interview? So we do a lot of, um, I'll do a lot of um, simulations, for example. Let's walk through an example. Okay, this, what if I said this? So, so that the resistance in the real life of, of an interview starts to come to, come to life. Um, for negotiation, same thing. Walking through, okay, where, where do you need to go to get information on how to determine what you should be asking for. How do you craft that email? What should that email say as you are you as you're crafting a response to ask for more money or to having that conversation? How do you how do you seal the deal on an interview? What should you ask at the end? So again, very, very practical strategies that I've personally used as well that have worked. And I have found that, you know, the women that I work with, after I work with them, they come back and say, wow, I've never looked at an interview from a place of power. And after working with me, they say, I, I see that now, how to do that. And so that's really uh, what I, I specialize in is helping, helping women move to that place of power. And that's funny you said that, looking at an interview as a place of power, a position of power. And I never thought about it either until you start explaining it. because. Most of the time, most people, you're going into the interview and you're going, oh, I hope they like me. I hope I have what they want. Instead of you really commanding that interview and saying, yeah, I got what you guys need and displaying that. And I think that's where not only women, but men, I think where a lot of people fall short. And I think that kind of gives the company the upper hand because then they start thinking, well, they need us more than we need them. Wow, that's that's interesting you you say that. And you know, and then I have this question. When you work with people and you tell them, okay, these are the things you should do and you guys work with 
you know, doing the simulations and, and practical steps. And let's say they they got your lessons, they go and they do it, but it still doesn't come out because I remember having this job in corporate America and going in and saying, okay, I would like a raise and here's the reason why. And the manager I had at the time, which, you know, that's a whole different story, but he was like, well, why do you, why do you think you need a raise? I'm like, well, because, you know, I'm maintaining a system for, you know, a major corporation and I'm the only one doing it. And it was, you know, back and forth, back and forth, you know, oh, well, this, that, and the other. When I finally left, it was funny because I had a coworker who was a male. He contacted me and he said, oh, you know, you left. So-and-so got your position, which was a man. And so-and-so, you know, was like, I need some help. I can't do this alone. And this person said, they stood up and said, Trina had been saying that for years and nobody, nobody listened to her. So what does a person do in that situation where they go in and they're, they're firing off, they get a full magazine, but then they're still kind of dismissed. How do you help a woman deal with something like that? Yeah. And I talk about that in the book and it's important to, to, to anchor reality, to sell pipe dreams. I don't like to sell inspiration without reality. And the reality is that oftentimes women are overlooked. Oftentimes we will go on to negotiate and they'll try to discount it and, you know, all those things. And the first thing I think about is, because that's happened to me a number of times, is to recognize that a no does not change our worth. Mm. A lot of times when we go in and we get the no, we're deflated, we're angry, we feel as if well, maybe I really don't deserve that. And I think it's so important to realize that just because one person said no, that it does not mean that another person will not say yes. And so as opposed to taking that no and internalizing it and making it about us and thinking that, okay, there's something wrong with me. It's almost as if you have to get almost adamant about saying, I'm going to go find my yes, because Mm -hmm. someone has a yes for me. And I think it's in that it's in that opportunity that we have a chance to get resilient and to say, okay, you've said no, that means I need to go knock on some other doors. And what does that look like? And I think that goes back to for me, when I say keep your external network open, that's what that looks like. It says, okay, this person said no, thank you, whomever. Tell me why. Explain to me why the answer is no. I like to understand so that I can make adjustments. And sometimes when we hear that answer, no, it's, there's, op- there's two plans that can come from that. It's either going to be a growth plan or a transition plan. And what do I mean? I mean that when you hear no, and then you get in, you ask why, and you ask, well, okay, why is that? And you hear the reasons. Sometimes you hear the reasons and they're really not reasons, they're excuses. When you hear that that's the case, now you, it's an opportunity for you to decide, okay, do I need to make a transition plan? Do I need to make a plan to either find an opportunity, another opportunity internally or externally because I'm not getting the support here uh, and this person really has no d- interest in supporting me? That's fine. Or have they given me valid reasons why they're saying no? Because sometimes the no is legitimate. Well, we do not have the budget right now or we do not have an opportunity for you just now. That becomes an opportunity to say, well, when do you think that opportunity will happen? 
let's put a plan together for me to have that role because I really want to continue my growth. I really, it's important for me to get the help that I need. And I want to continue doing a good job. When you make it about mutually beneficial opportunities and you talk in that language, then you talk to the manager about that growth plan. And then you have an opportunity to see, <clears throat> are, they, are they holding up their end of the deal with, with that growth plan and providing the opportunities? If you see that's still not happening, now you can shift from a growth plan to the transition plan. And I think that's where sometimes we, again, we'll internalize and we'll get angry and, you know, we'll call everybody and tell them everything that's wrong with the company or everything. And that's fine. But now what are you going to do? You're either going to have a growth plan or you're going to have a transition plan. And it's up to us to go to go go back and to really find out. Can you tell me why? Tell me why. And I'm giving you real life examples of things that have happened to me where I had to to go in and ask the question. Here's what I think I'm qualified to do. I'm ready to grow here. Tell me why. And in some cases, it was truly, there was legitimate reasons. In some cases, it was in excuses. And I found my out in the cases where excuses. In other cases, I, I bid the time to provide, allow the time for the opportunities to present themselves. Mm. So in other words, you're saying, yes, make that plan. So you need to know when you go in and you are asking, one, you need to ask why you were given the answer you were given. And then from there, you can assess whether, okay, is this something that I want to stick around to see if it changes or do I need to make plans to move on and go another way? Absolutely. You, you, that's it. There is, it's only one of two choices. And I think when we take our power back and realize that we are capable, qualified women we own that, it's not a conversation about, am I going to stick around until I figure out or till they decide? It's, hey, I'm going to decide how long I need to stay around. And I'm going to create my yeses as I need to either here or somewhere else. Hmm. We create our timelines. I mean, and you mentioned having that network. And I think, and again, I think this is something that we as women, we're just not taught to do. How do how does a woman create a network? I mean, a valuable network of someone that of a Rolodex of people who she can count on, whether it's mentoring or just connection wise. How do you go about doing that? I I think the first thing is to think about, excuse me, direction. Where are you trying to go? Uh, There are there are plenty of organizations that you can be join. There are plenty of, of, you know, for professionals who might have similar interests or have, or be going a similar direction. And so I think it starts there uh, and really cultivating those. And it doesn't mean you have to meet everybody every week, you know, for lunch or coffee, but it does mean a, a establishing some type of, of cadence of communication. And I, I think it goes back to two that it's not one where you feel like you have to force them. Right. But it's one where you feel like, Hey, there's someone that has a genuine connection to you and you the same. And for whatever reason, and you, you keep in contact with that person. I don't think we have to make it too, too complicated, but I do think we need to be intentional in that. um, Someone outside of our organization should know about us. 
Mm-hmm. Someone about someone outside our organization should know about us and what we do and what we're interested in. And that oftentimes it will come, it can come from church, right? Because, you know, a lot of us will spend time at church or our own respective community organizations. Find out what other people are doing, share what you're interested in doing. And I found that so often we'll keep things to ourselves, but the opportunities happen when we open our mouths. My brother always says something, and I even wrote that statement in the book, is that closed mouths do not get fed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if nobody knows where you're trying to go, how can they help you? How can mm. they possibly help you? I have gotten more opportunities because when, when I just got out of my own, I can figure it out on my own mindset and opened my mouth and said, hey, I'm thinking about this. or I'm thinking about that. What do you think? Or what do you, what, do you know anybody? And people, yeah, yeah, actually, I do know someone. I, they, and I'd have a conversation and before you know it, an opportunity opens. So many doors can open when we just open our mouths, but we have mm. to do that. Love it. Let's talk about your book. Mm-hmm. What's the title? And you've, you've referenced it a couple of times, but it sounds sounds really juicy. So t- tell me what's the title of it in, in the uh, synopsis of what's, what the book's about. Sure. So the title of the book is You're Absolutely Worth It. And release self-doubt, embrace confidence, and own your yes. Uh, And the synopsis of the book is really, it it unpacks the process of shifting past self-doubt as women uh, to own our our own greatness and relentlessly pursue some of our often unspoken desires. I I, I, I spend a lot of time in the book talking about very personal stories, but also adding a lot of inspirational and practical advice that really is designed to one, help women identify deep rooted sources of self-doubt, hesitation and the fears, and then really addressing some of those limiting mindsets with powerful truths so that we can go after the things that we really want with confidence. Now in your coaching and with your, your company, who are you working with and how long do you work with them? And aside from the professional, or do you help people in their personal lives? Sure. So it really is, I've done one-on-one coaching and that's really more or less where I've been specializing. And although I'm evolving to now, as I'm developing the book to definitely spend more time group coaching and also looking at corporations and companies that have women in leadership that really need to help, need help with development. but I think your question was how long it, it varies depending on, you know, the individual and what they need. And I, what was the other question? I want to make sure I answer it. Do you help um, women in their personal lives as well as their professional? Got you. Yes. Inevitably, I find that they are in, they are intertwined. So it's almost impossible not to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. That sounds really, I mean, it sounds like you're doing some great work and I, like I said, this was me not knowing my worth, not knowing how to negotiate and go in there. And it's just, it's so hard. And then I've been told, oh, well, you know what, you know, you're too, um, what was I told? I was too bold or too outspoken or something like that. And I was going, well, is that a problem? Yeah, you you shouldn't say anything. You should just be quiet. And I'm thinking, why should I do that? Yeah. You know, and it's and it's amazing how they always want the women 
to like shut up and sit in the corner and just take whatever they give. But when men do it, it's, oh, he's forceful. He's, you know, he stands up for what he wants. And I just, it has never, I have never understood why that was the case. I think it's definitely culture. I think Mm -hmm. it's culture. I think it's organizations and old, you know, mindsets. And it's unfortunate because so many times we walk into that not realizing that it's there and it can stunt our growth. It can stifle us and cause us to to shrink in order to fit in somewhere that was never designed for us in the first place. Mm. Wow. And And I'm glad you touched on that. How does how does a woman know that? How do you know that you're in some you're somewhere where it's, it's not even a good fit for you? Because a lot of times we, we do. We end up in places like that where we try to make it work, try to make it work. And we end up having nervous breakdowns, trying to make something fit that we were not meant to fit in. Right. Well, I, I think it's it requires self self inventory or inventory of what's important to us first because it's purely subjective what what you know may make one woman thrive may cause another woman like you said to have a nervous breakdown we're all crafted differently but i think that the biggest thing is are you thriving do you do you find yourself motivated to go to work every day just basic things i think sometimes we try to make it so much harder if we just think, think about work is all about relationships where you get paid that's it it's all relationships though. It's, it's, it's about what are you doing and how does this make you feel? If you're going to work every day, you, you feel stunted. You, you feel as if you're not growing, you're not motivated. That's the sign. There really isn't anything else that's needed. And sometimes we will ignore all of that because we're getting a check, but we absolutely hate where we are. And so we're not giving a hundred percent. We're frustrated. We can't wait until we get off work. We don't enjoy the people that we're around and not that people have to be our best friends. I don't go to work to make personal friends, but it at least should be a place where you feel like your voice is heard and you can thrive. And if none of those things are happening, just like you would be asking yourself that if you were in a romantic relationship and that was happening, you ask yourself the same thing if you're going to work. Mm, So true. Oh my goodness, I can talk to you forever about this because what you're saying is so vital to women in their lives in general, not just professionally, but in you know, motivating and nurturing relationships and connections and and actually commanding your worth whether it's in the boardroom or the bedroom so to speak. You have to know your worth. And not many of us do because, you know, we think that, oh, they're going to just know that we're a good person. Yes. Hello. If you would like to work with Valera, her website is www.apositiveidentity.com. If you like Trina Talk Podcast, please don't forget to go out to iTunes and rate it five stars and leave a review. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, 
you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination.